0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
3: It's 4 o'clock on the number one sports talk show
4: for your drive home.
1: Listen, Hassan Reddick had 19 and a half sacks. If we ever get a guy that has 19 and a half sacks in this city, we'll be going bananas. But on top of that... I'll build a statue for five in my backyard. Oh my God, but on top of that, the other guys all had 11 or more. So Graham and Sweat and Harvgrave, and you don't touch this dude last night? That might, to me, that's the
2: game.
4: And that's that's the game. And the other thing was, was when he comes out, you know, it was like fourth and 14 and he's limping. His blood in the water. Yep. I figured the Eagles going to, this is it. This is Dukes and Bell on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game.
1: Talking a lot about Super Bowl 57. Why would not we? It was mm. a great game. I felt cheated as a fan last night with the ending. Um, I would have loved to have seen it end with the Chiefs making a play mm. without a penalty and somehow the eagles getting the ball back and seeing if they could go make a play and if they get stopped then i probably would have been more satisfied than the way the game ended with the chiefs sitting on the ball and again chiefs didn't do anything wrong smart football they they got the penalty and then you sit on it mike you know mckinnon he could have scored right. slides right I mean, smart play, but it just didn't
4: feel like the ending I wanted with the way the game had gone all night. You want your uh, stat factoid of the Super Bowl? Absolutely. Uh, this is from Bill Barnwell, who does the big column, does the breakdowns for ESPN. The uh, Chiefs converted 93.8% of their first downs into another first down or a touchdown, Carl, in the second half. Just shows you how dominant and you just mentioned the only reason they didn't hit 100 is because Derek McKinnon had the presence of mind to slide down at the one-yard line to set up the game winning field goal. That's unbelievable. That's And that's taking this defense, which we talked all week about all last two weeks Out. and just punching them in the mouth and, and you dictated the tempo. That's Andy Reid and Eric Bannami.
1: While we're talking about this, uh, shortened Dog Report today, we've got Alex Andopolis coming up because we're talking all things Super Bowl uh, with you guys. Find us on social media. We'd love to hear from you. Mike Bell, ATL. I'm at put em up See Dukes. And this radio show is Dukes and Bell 929. Follow the radio station at 929 The Game across <laughs> Facebook and Instagram and all the uh, social media outlets. Kevin Burkhart, I did a good job. Me too. I thought the Super Bowl broadcast was not harmed. We've been talking about Greg Olson. He was good. I thought they did a good job. Now, the only reason I bring this up is because Fox took a chance. They were going to go get out Michael's Mike, and, and they took a chance with, with Kevin. But with the chemistry that he has with Greg Olson, and we know that Tom Brady's taking a year
4: off, I just – I don't know if you break those two guys up. Don't mess with a good thing, right? I don't know if you break those two guys up. Yeah. And, again, who knows if Brady – the way things are going with Brady, maybe after a year he decides he doesn't want to do it, doesn't need the money. Or, well, some guys did lose their, their ass in those uh, – <laughs> in crypto. But I'm just curious, does he get back in there? Because everyone loves the easy listen that Greg Olson has become. Good analysis, doesn't hit you over the head. Very knowledgeable, played the position. You know, and obviously you can tell you know, about Kelsey, why he's doing what he's doing. So I thought it was pretty good. And yeah, you're right. And Burkhart, you know, some guys, it's funny. Some people don't even realize it's not Joe Buck, you know, in the country because it's just so smooth, smooth and easy. Yeah. yeah.
1: One of the things that happened last night was the second half for the Chiefs um, Four four possessions, four scores. How good was Patrick Mahomes in the second half? 13 for 14, one in completion, 126 yards and two touchdowns. Second half, he killed it. And Mike. Nick Sirianni was saying that the Chiefs made the adjustments necessary at halftime to to, to take this game. Mm -hmm. And and I commend Sirianni from this standpoint. He could have made – there are a lot of excuses last night. You could say the officials and buy into that. You could say the field sucked and it did. But he said, listen, the Chiefs made the adjustments.
4: After halftime, they went right, they went right down and, and, and scored um, to cut it to to cut it to three. You know, we talked about what was working for us, what we wanted to continue to do. Hey, what we can anticipate them potentially doing. You know, they did a good job of uh, adjusting, and apparently, you know, with us, you know, them beating us in the second half, we didn't do as good a job as they did. So, you know, adjusting. So we'll all look at ourselves in the mirror and and drag ourselves through the mud in attempts to get better. And like I said, in the, we have got we got to do a better job, uh, you know, coaching in the second half and. Um, but a credit to them. No, I yeah, mean, yeah, we said it earlier. You hate to see somebody like Jalen Hurts lose this game because he's been such a class act. They love this guy, but you just never know when you're getting back. We had that conversation Absolutely. on Friday. Talk to Dan Marino and talk to uh, you know, hell, talk to Sean Payton. Who never, he, they want to talk to us with Matt Ryan. But uh, I do believe the Eagles, if they stay with the way they're built, and they've got a great young, they may lose some of their defensive line, but the next guys are ready to step up. they're, yeah. they're in a great position. That but guy, Howie Roseman, did a great job.
1: They are. Uh, he's going to lose Shane Steichen is. is mm-hmm. Offensive coordinator, he's going to take a job, I think, with the Colts. Um, But his defensive coordinator got got last night. Jonathan Gannon Mm. got taken advantage of. And this is something that a lot of people are not even talking about with the way that they use certain sets and set them up. And we talk about these great offensive coordinators, and I think we have a really good one in Arthur Smith. But they set you up, and they show you things, and you go, okay, we saw that, we know what they want to do and then you do something else out of it. And, and Jonathan Gannon has done an amazing job all year. But what he didn't do last night, Mike, is when, when Mahomes started hitting those passes and getting hot, right. he didn't trust his guys enough to do what they had done. And that's, hey, we're going zero, we're getting pressure, mm-hmm. and I'm going to man up. And instead they stayed in zone. and you saw Mahomes just complete pass after pass. I thought it was a defensive tactical mistake by Jonathan Gannon, the defensive coordinator. We can talk about all these other things, but the guy has one incompletion in the second half.
4: That's on the DC not doing anything, and we just talked about the job that uh, Greg Olson does. That was one of the breakdowns they did in one of the team, uh, one of the timeouts. I guess I was in the second quarter, and when they started getting some pressure on Mahomes, they had a ten point lead, mm. and they were talking about how the Eagles do it, as you mentioned, with the four down linemen, and you're not having to blitz because that's why they're so effective. And then you just mentioned it: Kansas City just blows up. They start doing some motion. They start moving some pieces around, and of course, Patrick Mahomes again. On that bad knee. And then if I had told you that Patrick Mahomes was going to be limping off the field for yeah. less than 200 yards, that's just it. We said the only way Chiefs would win, we'd have to get some Mahomes magic. I think we got some Mahomes magic. We did. Um, and they kept that guy clean. You just touched on it. They, If we had told you some of those factoids, like the stats about the throwing yards, that, uh, you know, how much more Hurts would have than Mahomes, zero sacks. That's, to me, that's the stat. That's why when we get into the end of the game and the holding penalty, which again, there's reasons why the Eagles were in that position. They couldn't do the things they were doing in the first half defensively.
1: All right. It's Dukes and Bell. It's Sports Radio 92.9 the game. We have a shortened dog segment. We're going to get to uh, Alex Anthopoulos. Let's talk some dogs. <laughs> On the sidelines with the dogs. The dog report is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, a proud partner of the Georgia Bulldogs. All right guys, money's flowing. And when you talk about the SEC in Texas and Oklahoma coming, Mike, we find out the SEC is handing out 50 million dollar checks to their institutions. Guys, nobody around the country is handing out more. Now, why are they handing out this money? Well, go look at the college football rankings. Go look at how many SEC teams are in the top ten mm-hmm. as we speak, even heading into next season. But, Mike, the money is only going to get bigger. We know this. But there was a time where the SEC was handing out, you know, $30 million right. checks to the institutions. Look it up at the Big Ten for a minute. Yeah, yeah, and you're going, oh, wow, all right, that's a lot of money. Now you're talking upwards of $50 million. And, Mike, I think in a few years, when Texas and Oklahoma get here and the new TV right. deal kicks in, you're going to be talking about 70 $85 million an institution. So that
4: $100 million that Oklahoma Texas just paid the uh, Big 12? Nothing. Will be mitigated rather quickly, won't it? Yeah. I, I, you, it, it is a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. But when you're making that kind
1: of money and you start looking at why these schools are saying, hey, I'd love mm. to be in the SEC, th- this is why. So, um, by the way, as far as the scheduling, we don't know anything as of yet. When you talk about how this is going to look, um, we know that, you know, they eventually – we're going to have nine games. We know that. They've talked about that. But what's it going to look like, Mike? And how often are you going to be playing these other teams? Yeah, that's
4: the thing. I mean, we've talked about if you could go almost a decade and not play somebody from the other division, they got to change that. And, you know, we're going to – the pod system, the way we've talked about what the ACC is adapting, I just think – I would just love to see them go to 10 games. Wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, it's – and you're always gonna have that strength of schedule and it's gonna be certainly by based on what we've seen through the, the sample size we have now, which is pretty large, of the college football playoff committee, that's gonna be enough to keep you in. Especially Carl, a loss doesn't kill you when you excuse me, when you expand the playoff field. Right, and that's going to come in two years.
1: It's going to come. So in... why
4: not just play ten? Play the best. Your conference is the best. We all know it's the best. Play everybody in your conference, and then you'll take you take a loss or two. It's not going to kill you in the championship. The, you still want to do though the big
1: kickoff game, right? You want you want yeah. you like out of conference, involved yeah, Because yeah. I, I still like Georgia that. would have been
4: this year with Oklahoma, but they had to stick, take the game
1: back. Yeah, I like the big kickoff games. I think it gets the season started in a way. Unlike any other sport, where you see these unusual matchups that you right. probably wouldn't see during the season, unless teams make the playoffs, and once we get to the expanded playoffs, you could have an early
4: season matchup that might be replayed later in the season because you got more right. teams involved. It's cool. Like uh, for instance, LSU plays Florida State this year in uh, Orlando because remember they played in the Superdome last year. That's going to be a big, that's a monster game to kick off the season the way both teams finish. Hey, real quick, I know it's not football. A lot of people were flapping. What did you think of the no-call in the UVA-Duke game? If you didn't see it, Filipowski gets clobbered. ACC refs swallow the whistle. And I know I'm not the only one who felt. Carl, after 42 years of Mike Krzyzewski, karma is catching up with Duke because they used to get all the calls and people were losing their minds. ACC said the refs blew the game. Duke's not good this
1: year. Um, And I don't know how much attention you pay to college basketball. You know, this, this is not what Coach K had in mind when he's handing over the reins. Uh, but we'll see, Mike. They, I don't think they're going to be a force yeah. in the tournament. That, that's what I'm telling you. When you I, think Duke's, oh, Duke's going to go on a run. I don't think that's going to happen.
4: When I saw that call, no call, I thought of uh, Paul Hewitt. I know he had to be smiling somewhere because he used to hate the way that Krzyzewski got away with murder with those Duke teams.
1: All right, Alex Anthopoulos is on the way, guys. Braves general manager, pitchers and catchers reporting today. We're going to have a good club, but we're going to talk to him about all the things we need to know as we get ready for this upcoming spring training. And Believe it or not. Pitchers and catchers reporting, spring training is here. What? Yeah, and the day after the Super Bowl, we've got Alex Anthopoulos on to join us to talk about all things Braves. And Double A, it's good to have you back on. I've been saying this. I I love our club. I think we're going to be very good. But I want to start with the catching situation because everybody's wondering how this is going to work with Sean Murphy and Travis Darnot and I think, uh, you know, Double A, that we might have the best catching duo in baseball. We're going to see how it plays out. But how is this going to work between these two guys?
3: Yeah, I definitely think it's obviously going to be an area of strength. It was an area of strength last year as well. So um, they're both fantastic. You know, that's why Snick gets paid the medium bucks. <laughs> and uh, he's going to have to decide the, uh, all the, uh, the the lineups and so on. But, look, we've got DH open. Um, we got to keep these guys fresh regardless. And um, it's a good problem to have, right? And I think that's the one thing is that the one thing you know about that position, it's not like another another position player where they can play 162, 160, no catchers are doing that. So you know inherently there's it's a two-man position. It's just what's the percentage behind the plate? Is it 60-40? Is it half-half? Right. Um, but now that we have the DH spot open, uh, we're going to be able to get these guys a ton of at-bats, a ton of reps, and their legs are going to be fresh, and that should bode well for the entire year.
4: We've heard the reports of Wash working with Vaughn Grissom. What are your expectations for Grissom this year?
3: Yeah, you know, I, I think what I've said was, you know, I've asked Wash throughout the offseason is just want him to be playable. And that doesn't mean that he's going to win the job. I know there's this expectation because there's been so much attention on, one, he's a young, really high-ceiling player. He's charismatic. He's energetic. He's a great teammate. Um, we absolutely believe that the bat's going to be plus. I don't know when that could be 23, 24, 25, but hmm. I've no doubt that Vaughn will eventually be a very good bat. Um, and then the question is, where does the defense go? And how good does it, does it become? But for right now, you know, the question I constantly asked throughout the winter was, "Wash, do you believe at some point we may feel like we need to send him back down to work on his defense or, you know, we're going to need to do those things. And he's adamant that that's not, he goes, I can't tell you what's going to happen in terms of the bat that, that is in his area and guys get sent down because of hitting and so on. But he feels uh, it'll be a process. It'll be a learning curve. And if you look back to Riley early on in his career, you know, he had growing pains at third base. Dansby Swanson certainly had growing pains at shortstop. Short and those guys have evolved to be great players. But we've won divisions with Riley hitting at the bottom of the order and still growing defensively. Dansby Swanson, every year I was, was with here with him for the five years. And he was hitting at, at the bottom of the lineup and you know kept getting better offensively and defensively, but was not a finished product. In 2018, 2019, and so on, you go look at the numbers, and we were still able to be a division-winning club. So, I think the big key for us, and when we're putting a team together, is you don't want to be built. Everything is predicated on one player because you know, we don't we don't want to happen as guys get hurt, guys have down years. You never want to be in a position where if you have these players, something go, goes wrong that all of a sudden you walk away from the season. So, even if a guy like a Swanson had been here and so on, um, you still want to build a good enough team that if they get hurt or they miss time you still feel good about it. So Vaughn, Orlando Arcia, they're going to be competing. No matter what happens, you still want to make sure that you're deep and whatever happens with that position, it's not going to make or break the season.
1: We're talking with Alex Anthopoulos, Braves general manager, pitchers and catchers reporting today. We're a few weeks away from uh, Grapefruit League action, guys. What about Marcelo Zuna, uh, AA?
3: What What's the plan with Ozuna? You know, he's going to come in and, and compete you know we know we've seen obviously when he's when when he's right what he could do with the bat. Look, obviously he did not have a good year offensively. Um he still had 20, 20 home runs. He had some moments. Um but you look at his career, he's been a much better offensive player. And look, he's you know he's his calling card is his bat and clearly that's going to that's going ultimately decide what his playing time is. So, um he'll he'll come in the camp and we'll see how he looks, see how he does. But again, you know you know, Snit's got a lot of his plate. He always has, right? We have a lot of pieces, a lot of players. You know, we're, not, we're this is a meritocracy at this point. So um, when it comes to the outfield, we traded for Robbie Grossman last year, thinking he'd be a platoon. He ended up getting more reps. Snit gave him more time and more reps, and he started playing him more. So uh, William Contreras came into camp last year with no promises, no expectation, and he played so well that he earned a lot of DH at-bats to the point where he became an all-star. So, Marcel and all the other candidates will come in and compete for at-bats and playing time, and you know, we're going with the best players at all times, uh, no matter what their contractual status is, no matter um, you know, how things look in terms of prospect status. The you know, going to play the best players because you know, we, have, we have a club that we feel has a chance to compete for uh, getting to the World Series and certainly getting to the playoffs.
4: It is. Alex Anthopoulos, guys, with us. He is the executive of the year. Last year, all the great moves he pulled in 22. He joins us here on the com hotline. I know we talked about it with Dansby when that deal couldn't get consummated. It, I know it's not a metric. It's not analytics. But do you feel you'll be able to fill that void that he brought in leadership uh, this year in the clubhouse?
3: Yeah, You know what? It's um, it's something that I feel I've I never have the answers, but you feel you learn over time um i think that has to be or- organic right and i think look everybody from fans executives you always want to have that guy who's the leader who's the guy who's gonna rally the troops have the big team meeting and grab a guy by the throat if he needs to and so on those guys don't really exist and um one thing i learned as a young gm i used to think well you have one guy and they, run- they set the table and run the show it needs to be a collective thing it needs to be a group thing so Obviously a guy like Dansby just he oozes it. He just does it. It comes so easily for him. And he's a fantastic player as well. Uh, but it's always been a collective, right? Whether that's on in the rotation, it's Charlie Morton, it's Max Fried and other position players, whether that's guys like Alves and Riley and Olsen and Travis Darneau. Um You're always doing it as a group. I've had clubs before where we have one guy who's absolutely a leader, but he was one of 25 back when the rosters were 25, or there was two of 25, and it was not enough. So – Um, I think organically these guys all come together. They work together. That's why we put so much of an emphasis on building a team rather than really spending time on individual players. And we talk about flooding the clubhouse. And if you flood the clubhouse, you know, hopefully um, if you lose players, yeah, you lose talent. It's hard. It certainly hurts. You're impacted. But if you flood in the clubhouse with high character guys and good guys, you should be able to to survive, I guess is the best way to put it, or to absorb some of those losses and, and continue going. So organically, I expect guys to, you know, we're not going to sit anybody down and say, look, we have a void here. You need to fill the spot. You need to fill the spot. Organically, those things just occur. They happen. Everyone realizes there's a little bit more available. There's more responsibility. It happens in the office. We've lost two guys to GM jobs, which is fantastic. And, you know, they haven't been replaced specifically. And organically, guys fill the gap and they get more of an opportunity. So that would be my expectation.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you about Dana Brown. He was with you for a long time, right? I mean, four years here, he's with the Blue Jays for nine years. He's now the Astros general manager, and he was our VP of scouting, which means, guys, he's been in a big part of you know part of the teams that we've seen now compete for World
3: Series. How do you replace that? You don't. And I, like you said, I've been with Dana forever. So back to the Montreal Expos. So with the Expos, with the Blue Jays, with the Braves, um, obviously I worked for him with the Montreal Expos. He's actually the first one that believed in me as a talent scout. You know, I was a young guy, I was interning, and he's like, hey, man, you have some feel for evaluating players. Like, you can do this. He's, you know, he's like, you're not a guy just to sit behind a desk and be an office guy. You know, I talk baseball with him all the time, and he really appreciated uh, me and appreciated my ability or whatever I had at at the time. And he encouraged me, and he he sent me out to go see the top players for the draft, and I wasn't anybody back then. He just saw something in me, and he believed mm. in me. And look, obviously, I saw him work and how good a job he did, and it's not a coincidence that – When I became a GM, I brought him with me to the Blue Jays. And then obviously when I got here, I brought him with me to the Braves. So that relationship is deep. It's strong. Uh, You don't replace someone like that. The role that we had for him was made for him. So same thing with Perry Manassian when he went to the Angels. The role we had for him was made for him. So, um, you know, my, my, my view of it is, you know, he didn't see every player for the draft, right? He ran fantastic drafts and great staffs and he hired well and so on. And you're hoping if you're running a good organization that people hire well and you have infrastructure and you have everybody in place. So um, you're going to lose those guys. It's going to hurt. But I'm confident in the people that we have in place. I'm confident in the process that we have in, in place. And uh, not to take anything away from people that we've lost. them, I mean, it's thrilled for them to get the opportunity. It's a great uh, compliment to the organization that other organizations want to hire our employees. Um, I expect us to not, to not skip a beat, continue to move forward. And we just have everybody internally move up a peg. Um, And we've backfilled some of the eyes in terms of Dean DeSillis, the guy I work with in Toronto. But he's not replacing Dana. He's just a, we've lost his, uh, we lost Dana's eyes. We lost a set of evaluation eyes. And uh, I wanted to backfill that. Um, But there's no way to replace Dana specifically with everything that he brings.
4: It is the president and the GM. It's Alex Anthopoulos and Mentor. To a bunch of guys, certainly, now we're finding out here on the waitfor.com hotline. Alex, just so there's no confusion with Braves fans, is the Bally sports deal, does that affect your bottom line, how much money you get to spend on the team from Liberty? Because I know some teams are going to feel that pinch.
3: Yeah, so i mean, obviously, I've been following it. Um, that's way above my pay grade. I, I'm solely focused on baseball operations, so all I do is spend money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't make any money. <laughs> I don't bring, I don't sell tickets or ads or any of that stuff, so tv i'm not involved so all we do is cash out the door on my side of it um but there's been no changes you know from my you know from off season to now i mean it's always been my off season has been the same just like any other off season so um probably the wrong guy to ask obviously i've seen reports i've seen i've read things things like that but in terms of how i do my job day to day it's been consistent from the day the year was over off season and our our dollars and everything else that haven't changed and my expectation is that you know People will continue to watch the Braves.
1: A couple of seasons ago, Double A, we were screaming, Eddie, yeah. Eddie, can Eddie see? Is everything okay with him yeah. going into spring training?
3: Yeah, I mean, look, there's no doubt it was not what anybody expected last year. Um, yeah, he's he's good. He's 100%. He's playing in the World Baseball Classic, which I'm excited about for him. I think him getting reps in big time competition early on can only be a good thing for him, can get him tuned up. Look, it's free agent year for him um he's hit his whole life if you look at the back of his card his whole career the one outlier is 2022 right every other year and he's not old he's a young man he's got great bat to ball skills he had a condition with his eyes and coming back and trying to do during the season and i'm not making excuses for him but he didn't just have a bad year he went on the il for an eye condition and obviously it's a critical thing when it comes to hitting so our guys feel he's totally totally recovered 100 percent um in fact, the team Puerto Rico wanted him to be their starting outfielder. I think it's a very good sign. He's excited to do it. So uh, I'm fully expecting, you know, if you're looking at the odds, seven seasons or eight seasons, whatever it's been, a lot of them have looked the same except for one, and we, we could point to something specifically. Right. So he'll still come in and compete, though, uh, just based off of last year. You know, we're not just going to hand anybody jobs. So whoever the best player is, it's going to go that way. Right.
4: Hey, uh, were you cool with the workload for Acuna this offseason? I mean, he looks great down there, but because I just want to see him hit the ground running. But uh, were you guys like, all right, enough is enough?
3: <laughs> yeah, so look, he loves to play. You guys see it, right? He right. adores playing baseball. And I, people see stuff online. He's in, he's in Venezuela. He's playing like, games with kids. And he's, this guy loves to play baseball in any capacity, right, any way he can. so. If it was up to him, he would have played. He would have been playing the whole time. But our doctors and trainers wanted to give him some type of recovery. So, look, him playing in the winter in in Venezuela in front of his family, that was important to him. He told us that. Look, we're always trying to work with players and do what we can. But our responsibility is to the Braves, and we want to make sure we protect them as well. So we let him play some. Uh, We want to make sure he DH'd just to still give him that, that recovery and so on. But we didn't view it as a bad thing that he was going to get at bats, right, just from a timing standpoint and so on because again, he didn't have his best year offensively last year. It was a really, it was an up and down year for him. He was good player, but not the great player that we've expected and the perennial MVP candidate that we've expected. So look, I mean, I think with his age and his talent and now being further removed from the knee injury and so on, um, you know, we expect him to be a force again. Um, And it just goes to show you a guy that he's off and he's not right. He still is a productive player when he's right. He's, arguably the best player in in the game so uh, we fully expect him to be back and be elite and and be that guy that's in the mvp conversation conversation year in year out
1: a couple of quick rapid fire questions we got to go and i know you're busy uh spring training guys underway pitchers and catchers reporting fifth starter soroka anderson they will
3: compete to be the fifth starter correct Correct, and just because someone starts that spot, they both have options, so we can go with the hot hand the entire time, so just like Ian Anderson was in our rotation until he wasn't, right? he got optioned, and again, love Ian, but we're going with the best guys at any time, so when you have options, anything can happen, and um, even whatever team we break with doesn't mean that's the way we're going to stay, so guys have to continue to perform uh, to keep their, their jobs, but the fact that we're talking about one guy who was in the Cy Young conversation in 2019, and then one other guy that's been at the top of the rotation the last few years in Ian Anderson those guys are competing for the five spot it's pretty exciting when you think about it from a depth standpoint even guys we have on option you know our six starter, seven starter and so on so look those two guys are the front runners but Bryce Elder is going to come in and compete Colby Allard to come in and compete so I mean they could win that job too but look because of past experience and success I think it's fair to say that Soroka and Anderson would be the front runners because of experience
1: the rule changes as fans. Do you think we're going to immediately notice, and how difficult will that be as an adjustment in spring training? Bigger bases, the pitch clock, and no shift.
3: I think the pitch clock's going to be awesome. Um, I think, look, I love baseball, but I love two-and-a-half-hour games, too. Right. And I think that's good for for all of us. You know, so um, I think it just, it's just more, more exciting. The pace of play, the action's a great thing. I think there'll definitely be an emphasis on guys that will start to run more you know, being able to, you know, they're going to cap how much you throw over the bases, like you said, have been expanded in size. So I think that element's going to certainly end up being there. I think, look, from a positioning standpoint, shifts, things like that, I know that's a lot's been talked about there. I'm not overly, I don't even really want to say concerned. It's just, you know, we're just going to roll with the rules and all 30 teams have the same thing. And look, it's, it's only a factor you know, when you have really a ground ball guy on the mound and guys that hit the ball on the ground. So Um, you know, if we have guys like Strider that strike guys out that are fly, that are fly ball guys, I mean, it isn't going to matter. It's outfield outfield defense, but, um, look the left-handed hitter that ends up pulling the ball to the right side into shallow, right? That hitter should be advantaged, but, uh, I'm, I'm excited about all these changes, but I think for me, um, knowing that games have a good chance of being in the two and a half hour range, similar to other sports, I think it's going to be really, really good for the game across the board.
1: Double A, it's always good to catch up with you. We're excited about the season. Guys, we've got a good club. Right Things on. hopefully come together, and we'll see what happens at spring training. Alex Anthopoulos, Braves general manager, thanks for stopping by. We'll talk soon. All right, guys. Always glad to do it. Cool. Thank you so much. All right, guys, lots going on there. Day after the Super Bowl, Mike, so a lot of people are like, hey, what's going on? Pitchers and catchers reported. We were chasing him for later in the week. Schedules changed, so we took him there. We'll
4: talk more about that and what he had to say. What's coming up in Guy Talk? Hey, man, Super Bowl ads. The ones that made you laugh, the ones that made you cry, and the ones that made you go, what the was that? Okay,
5: picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or...
0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on
5: LinkedIn.com/slash/recommend today.
4: About next.
3: It's time for fun. <laughs> It's time for guy
4: talk. <laughs> Never mind. It's time for, for shenanigans. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, man, as I told plays, Carl, plays, when you got a big party plays, going on for the Super Bowl, like you don't really catch everything. Sometimes you got to go back and watch it, including, yes, the game, because we do this for a living. You want to know everything that happened. And then it was some of the uh, commercials and some of the ads, which I read in USA Today and CBS Sports. Everybody's got their own little breakdown. The, uh, oh, what was it? the Hollywood Reporter does one. So I was uh, thinking to myself, self, I-, I didn't feel, I know you said they were okay. I just think they didn't have as many that made me laugh out loud. I guess if I can put it any other way. It you know, so, really made me chuckle and go, okay, that's funny.
1: I Listen, I liked uh, the play on Breaking Bad with the, the chip thing that yeah. they did. Um, the best one for me, hands down, and it was later in the game, was the Amazon commercial with the dog that's tearing up everything in the house. There's right. a family, and they leave, and the dog's literally in the window every day, and you don't know it's Amazon. And right. then they come home, and they realize, we need to crate. And they order the crate.
4: you're thinking these go. Yeah,
1: yeah. And they order the crate. And you're like, okay, they're going to put him, they're going to lock him up while they're gone. And instead, they use the crate to go get another companion. And they right. open up the crate and, the, and another dog comes out. And it was just like, if you're a pet owner, it was awesome. And I, it made me laugh because we've all been there. If you've had puppies,
4: your dogs are tearing up stuff when you're gone because they just want to be with you. I'm like that. And the the one that I I was like, don't tell me this dog is going to die now. The farmer's dog commercial. We have a young girl who grows up with a dog. Anything. Carl and I, for those who don't know, we are avid dog lovers, and I'm a sucker. So that's the one I'm watching this morning. I'm like, I got Ike laying next to me on the bed. I'm like... I'm not crying. You're crying. But anyway, that, that was a good one. Now, the funny ones, I got to be honest, I thought the, the first one, of the first ads in the first block during the game, the Ben Affleck in the drive-thru at Dunkin' Donuts made me laugh out loud. Me too. Especially when J-Lo pulls up. She goes, is this what you do when you say you go to work? <laughs> She's like, let's go. Give me a glaze. The other one, the Boston Logger, uh, the Sam Adams, I should say, your cousin from Boston, where he's at the checkout, and all of a sudden it's like a nicer, a brighter Boston where everybody's friendly. No, you take the space. No, you take. You park the car. That was that was funny. But the one that you and I were talking about off the air, and Chris agrees. I thought the one about uh, 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 premature elect. Well, take a listen. This is funny. It's an EV spot for Ram.
0: Are you excited about buying an electric vehicle, but worried that it could leave you unsatisfied then you could be one of many Americans concerned about premature electrification. (laughs) Symptoms may include fearing you might not be able to last as long as you'd like. There was plenty of charge before. and Sometimes it goes away.
5: A lot of times.
0: I've been working a lot. Being unsure if you have enough power to handle your payload. I don't know if I got the power for this baby.
5: I'm
4: adventurous. I like to go all the way. I don't want to have to question if we're even going to make it. It's a concern.
0: Lacking the confidence about getting and being able to keep a charge.
3: Having to stop every time we got really excited, that wouldn't work for me. Stop. Start. Stop. Start.
0: If P.E., premature electrification, is something you're worried about, go to ramrev.com and find out if the Ram 1500 Rev, with options being designed to extend range in satisfying ways, is right for you.
4: That was that, that for me hands down it was clever play on words yeah. funny edgy i thought that was for me that was the best super bowl ad
1: uh i liked i liked it mm. I, I don't know if it was my favorite i liked mm. i thought the bud bud light did a good job right. as well listen I, again every year there's about three or four of these that just mm-hmm. make you you said it make you laugh out loud right. others i have to go back and watch and go did i really get that yeah. i'll tell you one Blue Moon, I thought crushed it. Yeah, with a
4: Coors Light versus Miller Light. You thought it was a Coors Light, and you're like, what is this? And then they were like, this is a Blue Moon commercial. I'm going to remember yeah, that. And they're owned by the same company. So yeah. it all worked out well. Um, the other one I liked was The Bush, where you have Sarah McLaughlin, and she's going to adopt a pet, and it's a live wolf, you know, <laughs> in, the, in the tent. Chris Squidbilly, what were the ones that resonated with you? Because, again, I had to go back and watch this morning, because when you got a big house full of people, you don't actually hear every nuance. Some guys said it was a little creepy. They did the gr- uh, greasery uh, the uh, John Travolta, but he, it's hard to see John Travolta with a shaved head, because that's his look these days. He's finally gotten away from the toop. And then they, they were doing summer to the for the T-Mobile thing, right? Yeah, I wasn't overly blown away i also use the commercial time to refill my drink and get mm. the latest debbie little debbie snack that was in the tray right but i love the one with the remote With i think it was Tubi, where they yeah. just start like changing them. i thought that was i thought that was really stinky was because the way i watch tv now is almost primarily through a fire stick right. you know whether it's one of the apps that they have so i have cable but i have u-verse app, all that kind of stuff so mm. i thought that was really good because i did look at the remote immediately like dude <laughs> is your foot on the remote remove it yeah, the uh, the two B ads are getting really high marks from Ed ad, uh, ad rate Those are good, and the ad meter they seem to be a good one. The Michelob Ultra one, where they do the play on Caddyshack, where you've got Brian Cox playing the role of Ted Knight and Serena Williams. You got Tony Romo playing uh, Carl, the Bill right. Murray character. What do you guys think of those? Those those got uh, nice reviews. Yeah, and Budweiser did one, and then Mick Ultra did one. Right, like they and they're all Anheuser Busch, obviously. But I was like. Is all Anheuser post commercials <laughs> Caddyshack. Shack. I thought it was good. Yeah, I liked it. What did you think of the flag football one with the Mexican girl, who's like the flag football champion? Right? I, thought it was, was cool. I, I, I thought it was good. It's kind of cool. I thought it was good. Yeah, yeah. 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 The,
1: the, uh, even the fixed-on pixel one was creative, right. where they're erasing stuff from the picture, And, you know, it's like Giannis getting dunked on or whatever. He's like, what, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. I, I, there was some good stuff last night. I mean, I, I don't know, Mike, um, if one just is going – every
4: year you're looking for that one that just took right. – the cake. The one that I got a kick out of because we always talk a lot about Popeyes on the show was the, the guy with the big bug out eyes, the meme, and where he is now. And he's actually in a Popeyes commercial. That was interesting. Some other ones which are getting some good marks. Uh, I always thought the one with the babies were funny for E Trade. Now they had them as like toddlers or smaller. That was early in the game. At the too. wedding. Yeah. yeah. If you hadn't seen them. Anyway, you guys, we'll do it tomorrow because we got a short show today with Hawks pregame, but we'll get into what you guys thought was the best and the worst. A lot of folks felt the uh, Squares, was it Squaresoft? Is the website design thing that a lot of guys were. Squarespace. A lot of guys are saying like, eh. Oh, w- yeah. was it workplace? Work- yeah. yeah, exactly. Adam Driver. Yeah. Adam Driver. Well, I like Adam Driver. But yeah, we'll, we'll get into it tomorrow. But uh, yeah, a lot of folks felt you could use a little more punch. But the dogs always, anything with the animals, is going to get an emotional reaction from dudes. That's why they do it. All right, coming up. I realized
1: something. And I hope you realize it as well. We'll tell you what that is in the Falcon Report next.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,